Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Lord be on my mind, be on my lips, be on my heart. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising, and we have come to do him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. Assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, For thus it has been written through the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, since from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and ascertained from them the time of the star's appearance. And he sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may go and do him honor. After their audience with the king, they set out. And behold, the star that they had seen at its rising preceded them until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. And they were overjoyed at seeing the star. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. And then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. The Gospel of the Lord. Have you ever heard it said, Life is a journey? Well, I think life is a journey, and I think today's gospel passage, the image of the Magi, pagans, from far away making a journey that lasted years to come to acknowledge Jesus as Lord after their long journey, after seeing the star, after Consulting scripture and the church, or the preaching, or the teaching, chief priests and the scribes, to come to this miraculous moment where they offered their gifts, worship, and then it changed their life and they went home by a different route. I think that's the archetype of the journey we are all on. And journey, I think, is a search for meaning, purpose, what's 
life's all about. And for all of us, it can go through very similar stages. One of the first things the Magi did is they looked up into the heavens and saw creation. And that caused them to search for God. St. Paul tells us that even before Christ, even before the Scriptures, the pagans, us, could have and should have seen the handiwork of God in creation and it would point to the Creator. And we could recognize God. I don't know about you, but that's a hard one for me, the scientific type. But now as a believer, I can look at all creation with wonder and awe and say how incredible this God must be. But to come to that belief that God exists through creation is tough. Some people do it. But there are others, and I do think I run into a nice share of them, who believe that science can explain everything and there's no need for God. The belief in God is just for people who are searching for answers and they can't find them, so they make up a concept that God is the answer or the creator of everything. But if you ask me, and I am no expert, but if I may go on a tangent, I think this musing of mine is somewhat helpful for our that those who claim science can explain everything, I believe that's also an act of faith that is not true. I think if you research it yourself, and that's kind of the point, you might come to a similar conclusion. But it's a false belief that science can explain everything. Oftentimes what happens is Science is good at explaining this, but then if you look what explains that, well, you go, what explains that? And you get back to a point where science simply says, well, we don't know. One day we're going to figure that out. And it may be true. But in the end, it's faith in science versus faith in God. Can I give you just some crazy examples? Now, I'm no scientist. I'm sure I'm going to get some of this wrong. But again, I think the musing is helpful for our modern world. At the dinner table the other night, I was trying to give Brother John a hard time. You know, I was trying to think of something to say. And I, you know, I used to study a little bit of physics. He was taught it for a year in high school. And so, learning a little bit to be dangerous, right? Theory of relativity kind of says that there's no gravity. At least as we know it, we think it's a force between objects. And really, in the theory of relativity, it's the warping of the time-space continuum. Now, if there's any scientists out there, I know it's kind of crazy. So I tell Brother John, hey, there's no gravity, you know. And he thinks I'm crazy. Well, why don't we just fall off the earth? Anyway, the argument goes like that. And so you kind of think about that. Science says there's Gravity is explainable by the warping Einstein in the way that time and space, you know, time is X, Y, Z, I mean, space is X, Y, Z, and then time is the fourth dimension. And around large objects, it warps, and so when things travel the same distance in less or more time, it's like an acceleration, it feels like gravity. Anyway, 
But you think about that. It kind of means that faith, nothing, really is something. How can nothing more? And sure enough, the theory is, or hypothesis, and I don't fully understand it, don't get me wrong, but you know, there's things like string theory or loop quantum gravity theory that tries to explain, you know, what's nothing really is something. You just can't see it. And it's what holds all existence together. Now, to me, that's kind of sounding like the definition of God. That which holds all existence together that you can't see. Or the Big Bang Theory. You know this one, right? The latest beliefs really seem to be pointing towards the Big Bang Theory and how everything came from the Big Bang and it's all traveling apart, etc. But the obvious question is, right? What happened before the Big Bang? Well, one answer is, well, there was nothing and it all came into being. Sounds a little bit like God creating the world, right? From nothing God spoke and it came into being. Or there's other theories that are called, uh, well, well, theoretical physics or something like hypothetical physics or something. Uh, where they have theories that you can't prove them because all, none of this stuff is provable, right? So it sounds to me like just theoretical physics is philosophy, cosmology that's been around since Aristotle, where people make up theories that can't be proven. But another theory that I like is the Big Bounce Theory. Rather than creation and the Big Bang, but everything, once it gets to a certain point, starts coming back and it collapses. And it does that issue. So there's no need for everything always always existed and will exist forever. Again, it's getting to sound a little bit like God to me, isn't it? That which exists and will exist forever. It has no creation. Bottom line, I think, but you've got to investigate yourself, is that to believe science can prove existence is an act of faith, not a fact. Just like belief in God is an act of faith. The question is, which one is a more reasonable act of faith? I would claim that there's more evidence, scientifically speaking, for God than for not God. And I certainly look at the history of the church, the martyrs, the lives changed, the preservation and the testimony of the saints throughout the years. But I like to look at the supernatural stuff, too. I look at things like Our Lady of Guadalupe, the Tilma scientifically explained. I do look at things like Eucharistic miracles that scientists investigate and can't explain. Life after death experiences. People who've had encounters and come back and testify. Or even that testify to things they could not have known as a person here on Earth. But yet they know after going to heaven. Powerful evidence. But in the end, we're all on a journey. And one step of the journey is to look at all that exists and try to decide whether that shows that there's more to life than what we see or not. But it cannot end there. Because even the agnostic who claims, I think, pretty good position, but he can't prove it, we're challenged to keep going on the journey. Because here's the key to it. It's an important question. It's a life-changing question. And God has come into the world. That's kind of the 
meaning of a city and revealed himself to us. And he revealed himself to us in many ways, but one of the ways we hear is that after nature, the wise people consult scripture and the teaching of the faith. And those further point them to God. You know, if you examine scripture, I am amazed because every I've been trying to do this for like 30 years now, pray with scriptures, and every time you open them up, it's new and it's fresh. God speaks powerfully. But in the Old Testament, there are many prophecies that are fulfilled in Christ Jesus. We hear about it all the time. On Christmas, right, the virgin will be with child. Today, the first reading prophesies that all nations will come to the Lord. The Magi represent the nations. The testimony or the prophecy and the fulfillment go on and on. Some scholars will claim there's over 300 prophecies fulfilled in the Old Testament by Christ Jesus. This alone is something that causes wonder and awe. God didn't just come into our world, but He prepared us for His coming. Christianity is the only major religion that was announced beforehand by God. Why? Because He wanted to help us to recognize the truth of that revelation. Have it be received and accepted. And so the wise men then go from nature to Scripture and teaching to encounter Christ. But did you catch that? I'm sure you did. The star went from Jerusalem to Bethlehem and stopped over a house. Can a star really do that? Is a star going to identify a particular house? That's hard to swallow. The wise men, it's understandable, would see the star and go to Jerusalem, which is the capital of the Jewish people, if they recognize the star indicating a Jewish king. But how could the star get them to Bethlehem in the house? Fathers of the church, we don't know, but fathers of the church say perhaps it was an angel. But here's what I am saying. In St. Paul, in the second reading, he said, what I am telling you has been revealed. And you know St. Paul had a miraculous revelation that God intervened. But all of us, if we're making this journey, trying to discover truly if God exists and if Jesus is God, we go through creation, we go through Scripture, we go through teaching, and everything, but God intervenes. In sometimes subtle ways, sometimes powerful ways, but people testify to it all the time. To come to that point to encounter Christ. John chapter 14 says, Jesus says, If you follow my commandments, I will reveal myself to you. To me, that's powerful. For a long time, I struggled with if you follow my commandments. You see, God gave us free will. God doesn't impose himself on us. God invites us. And so if we follow His commandments, in other words, if we're going on this journey truly seeking the truth, find Him. He helps us on that journey. It's a miraculous journey. And that is the kind of God we have. Because He loves us so. He wants us to know Him. He wants to be in our company. We who sinned and left His company, He longs for us. He's bending over backwards. He's dying on the cross 
to bring us back. And so today we admire that journey and think about our journey. But ultimately that journey, like a wise man, we come to adore Christ. This is important. Believing that Jesus is God isn't enough for salvation. Not even the devil believes in God. But they worship and adore. They give gifts. They give the gift ultimately of themselves. And it changes their life. A true encounter with God, a saving encounter with God, is at the end of this journey, we are in awe and wonder that the God of all this creation, the God who intervened in our history, could further be born as part of this creation so that He could be with us. It's amazing. And the only sane response is to be in awe, to worship, and to give our lives, to recognize we are the creation, not the creator, and we live in a hierarchy of love or a response to that God's love. And so, fathers of the church, tell us that this journey is not really the journey of the wise men only, it's the journey of us. Because that same Christ present in that child is present in the Eucharist. And it takes the same eyes of faith to see that. And every week we make that same journey. We look out into the world, we look at the situations in our lives, and it challenges us to either be atheist, agnostic, or to search deeper to find where God is leading us in all this. We come and we receive and hear the scriptures, try to make sense of them more, and then we worship and adore that Christ who is present and wants to change our life. And He loves us so much that He's not content to only be incarnate in Jesus of Nazareth, but through the Eucharist, He wants to be incarnate in us, the body of Christ. So let us come to this altar today, those of us who are, and talk up in worship, adoration, and awe, opening our hearts to receive anew that Christ, to continue on our journey to know Him, to love Him, 